Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children, where our experts are all provided to us by the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm Melanie Cole, and today we're talking about how to talk to your teens, about taking responsibility for their health concerns. I know this is something that all parents think about. Most of us do anyway. I obsess about it a little bit. And, you know, we want our kids to be healthy. We want them to take responsibility because we can't always do it for them. And joining me today is Dr. Elizabeth Alderman. She's a nationally recognized specialist in adolescent medicine, a professor of pediatrics, and the chief of the Division of Adolescent Medicine at Children's Hospital of Montefiore at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She's also a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Alderman, it's a pleasure to have you join us today as we are raising our teenagers, and we know how bizarre teenagers can be in the first place. What age do we start trying to get them to take charge? It's one thing for us to say, here's your dinner, it's healthy dinner, or let's all go take a walk as a family. But when we want them to start doing some of these things of their own volition, how do we know when it's time? Well, thank you so much, Melanie, for inviting me to speak to you today on this really important topic. Um, and I know I get a lot of questions about this um, from my uh, the, the parents of my patients. It really depends on the child or the, the uh, pre-adolescent. There are some, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds who are very involved with their health care, um, particularly kids with a chronic illness. Um, you know, uh, they might, you know, be coached, of course, but um, they there are certain kids who have the maturity and have the um, understanding about health or their own health problems that parents can start to talk to them about taking charge, even as young as the age of nine or 10, again, depending on the kid themselves. But generally, middle school is a good, really good time for parents to start engaging their own child in um, their taking care of their health and um, being a part of their whole health care, whether it's nutrition or whether it's taking care of a chronic medical problem or personal hygiene. We know that uh, there are some girls who get their periods as early as nine. So talking to a an eight-year-old who's a early maturer that could be the right time and should be the right time for a parent to start talking to their uh, daughter about uh, periods and puberty and things like that. So when we take our kids to the pediatrician for their annual well visits, and I just started letting my kids, 17 and 20, really just go on their own. I don't even necessarily go with them at this point, especially with COVID and everything. When do we kind of set them free in that way so that they can feel free to talk to the pediatrician at these visits without worrying that mom or dad is around, filling out their forms about whether they've been sexually active or involved in drugs. Sometimes they don't want to fill out those forms if their parents are even sitting in a chair near them. Right. So um, as early as the 11-year-old visit, I introduced the idea of confidentiality to the um 
pre-adolescent and the parent, that the, that the next visit, generally the 12-year-old visit, there are going to be questions that I will be asking the child um, without the parent in the room, as long as, the, you know, the, the, and then we'll keep those answers confidential as long as the child's life or someone else's life is in danger. And the type of questions that I'm going to be asking are related to chi- the child's health, the pre-adolescent's health, and they have to do with um, things they may or may not be doing with their friends and, uh, you know, things they might be feeling in terms of mental health. So asking the questions can happen as early as age 11 or 12. And asking them in confidence, asking them without the parent in the room, is is standard of care at that age, uh, starting around 11 or 12 years old, depending on the child. Um, When you mention actually going to the pediatrician or the pediatric health provider on their own, it really depends on the uh, adolescent's uh, degree of maturity, but uh, certainly dropping the patient off who's over 18, for sure. I mean, HIPAA protects an 18-year-old totally in terms of confidentiality on all aspects of their health care, um, and there are practices that won't see um, an adolescent under 18 without parental consent, so it may mean that the parent just has to sign something or, you know, agree, you know, however an office decides to do it, that the under 18-year-old can be seen by themselves. But learning to be a healthcare consumer and taking care of health is part of adolescent development. It's part of individuation. It's part of becoming your own person. So um, it's a very important milestone to achieve. And certainly um, many adolescents can go to a pediatric provider as early as 16 or 17 on their own. But again, the provider might still require parental consent for the actual visit. So what about things like eating healthy, exercising? And right now with our kids kind of, you know, not really out and about and in so many ways isolated from their friends, maybe the sporting activities that they used to do, do we put the onus on them, Dr. Alderman, to get out? I mean, because just last night, my son is a gymnast. And last night I I got on him hard because I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm like, you have you even worked out? I'm like, get up tomorrow morning and go. He's like, well, I can't go to the gym. I said, so don't go to the gym. You've got a lot of equipment here. Go out in the backyard. Be creative. Do all your workout. And and he did. He's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And he got up and he did it. So sometimes we got to give him a little shove. But how much of the onus should we be putting on them, especially now? Right. Um, I mean, it really, again, depends on their age and their stage of development. But I think, obviously, what you did worked out great, Melanie. Um, And it was great that your son took your advice. I think with younger kids... Um, or even older kids, you know, starting off by saying, you know, this is important for your health. I know before COVID, you were doing this, this, and this. Um, you know, how's about, uh, you know, taking a long walk or taking a long walk with me, you know, making it something you can do together as a, as a start, especially for a kid who might not be that motivated, you know, making it a family activity or at least, you know, the parent and the child together. But, um, you know, there are going to be some kids who really have to come to it on their own. But gentle nudging is, is not so bad and, and, and generally could work out well. 
Well, it you know, I mean, I guess it depends on how well you know your child and how you communicate with your child. True. And what that nudging True. does, True. really. I mean, sometimes then then you're a nudge and then your kids say back right. off. So, you know, we don't want right. to overdo that a little bit. And as far as healthier, we're cooking for them. And especially again, right now, mothers and fathers cooking so many meals, you know, but trying to get our kids to eat healthy when they're on TikTok all day or Instagram and, you know, motivating them to take responsibility and say, I know that things are different right now, but geez, you don't really want to be eating all that junk all the time. You're totally right. I think engaging the teen in the meal preparation could be very helpful um, because there may be things that the, the teen might not even realize they would like or they may not even realize they'd like cooking or chopping or, you know, just sharing a family recipe that uh, grandma used to make or they, they might appreciate that as a way of getting them involved in preparation of healthy meals. We all know that the family dinner is so important. And with COVID, you know, it, it's, it's unavoidable in many cases. Um, so I would just seize the opportunity of this, you know, forced togetherness to engage the teen um, in preparation of healthy meals, or as I mentioned before, looking for recipes together that they might be interested in, um, to just get them engaged in the whole idea that when you cook, it's going to be healthier and uh, it'll be great for everyone all around. Well, it certainly will. And as we're trying to get them to take charge of their own health and think about even long term, which we all know teens don't do at all. I mean, that's why they don't always want to wear sunscreen. They don't think about the wrinkles and things, you know. So really, while we're trying to get them to do that, what do you want the listeners to know about really having this discussion and how to start this discussion without the kids rolling their eyeballs and saying, oh, mom, not another discussion about me taking charge again. How, what words do we use, Dr. Alderman, to get our kids to really listen to us and have them start thinking about some of the, the things that they do and the health repercussions they may have later on? So in pediatrics, we always talk about anticipatory guidance and teachable moments. So, you know, sometimes the springboard for a discussion about health can start while you're both watching a TV show together Um, or at, you know, in discussion about what the teen is learning about in school, Um, just looking for that touch point where the conversation can start naturally or if the teen, you know, even just bringing up COVID, I mean, everyone knows about COVID, just talking about hygiene in that way. I mean, and I know most teens will know you got to wear a mask, you got to, you know, wash your hands and face, but starting that off and getting into other health topics that you may want to address. In terms of using words, I think it's it's very individual. I think the real key is finding those teachable moments and um, certainly being available if the teen has questions. But again, if the teen is going for a, an appointment with their um, health care provider for any reason, go over with the teen 
um, you know, why the, the appointment is important. If the teen is, is ready, is due for an HPV vaccine, talk, bring up, you know, why that's important uh, to get immunized for HPV and how HPV is acquired and, and uh, you know, uh, and that can lead to a talk about sex and sexuality. I think having it come up naturally is, is so much better and the information will stick better with the teen as opposed to having a game plan of just saying, oh, now's the time I have to talk about you know, eating nutritious meals, incorporating it, you know, in, 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 into whatever daily situation comes up, it will be much more effective. I agree with you there. It really does. And less threatening. And less, and threatening. less threatening because when we come at them, that's when they recoil. Exactly. And so if it just kind of happens organically and is part of whatever our daily conversation is, it makes so much more sense. And what have we missed, Dr. Alderman? What would you like to tell listeners about getting their kids involved in their own health, having their kids take charge and responsibility of their health and and teaching them, as I teach people every day, to be their own best health advocate? Because, you know, we women, we have to put on our own masks and then we can take care of the ones we love. Mm -hmm. But we want to teach our children that same resilience. We want to teach them to be their own best health advocates. Tell us how to do that. Wrap it up for us. So I think, number one, we as parents have to role model. So if we are not our own health advocates and we're not uh, adapting a healthy lifestyle that we wish our kids would have, but we don't do it, it's our words are not going to be effective. And I think this is, you know, germane to everything as a parent, being a role model is so important. Um, I think that um, the other thing that I'd like to get across is that, you know, once a kid goes off to college, you're not going to be there. And your, your child, your teen needs to know, you know, how to advocate for themselves if they are not feeling well. They need to know about, you know, uh, if they have a fever, what to do. They need to, you know, they need to know how to access health care. So actually a very good touch point, and I know colleges, who knows who's opening up or not right now, but the, t- the you can do the talk before going off to college because that is, or, you know, living on their own because that if they, if they don't, have not accessed health care on their own before, that, they're going to have a really hard time when they're away from home. Absolutely. Great advice, because we do want to give them roots and wings. And that, you know, I heard that from somebody once, and I just think that that's such a great, really great statement. We want to give them good roots, but we you know, unfortunately, have to give them wings and we have to teach them how to make it on their own. And and their health is just a priority in that. So thank you so much, Dr. Alderman, for joining us today, giving us such expertise and great information. You're listening to Healthy Children. Our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, HealthyChildren.org. You can listen to these podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. And please share this show with your friends and family on social media, because that way we're learning from the experts at the American Academy of Pediatrics together. Stay well. I'm Melanie Cole.